There are a great many works today which are just not of God. Ministers are always coming to me trying to get me to give them money, to give them Bibles, to give them computers, to give them cameras, to give them projectors. None of these are of God. When I speak to them, I find they can't even understand what I'm saying. If they were of God, they would understand. And I end up, as long as I allow them to communicate with me, and as long as I read their emails, I end up having to correct them over and over and over and over without any progress whatsoever. All it does is drain me and keep me from doing that which God has appointed me to do, which is to exhort the church and to warn the church. For there are so many deceivers today, especially in the ministry. Paul said there were so many deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, meaning the Jews. We've got exactly the same thing going on today, even more than Paul had. Because he said evil men and seducers would wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Toward the end times, it would be even worse. We are much closer to the end now than Paul was when he lived on this earth. So therefore, I know the deception is rampant, especially among the ministers. This is a warning to you, to me, to us, not to be deceived by them. Don't feel guilty when they want you to give your blessings to them and they don't have the blessings from God because they have not followed God and you have followed God and they're trying to get what you have. Don't give your blessings to them. Even when they use scripture to try to make you give, They're simply extortioners. There's one man who identified himself as an electrician, and he began asking me various things about God, and I answered his letters and two or three emails. He's in a foreign country uh, in Africa, and I patiently answered his emails. Not once did he ever thank me for answering his emails. I don't believe he ever thanked me. But then the truth came out. After about the third email from him, he told me about he he worked with this group of young people who were very poor, and they needed Bibles, and he wanted me to send him Bibles. They make you feel so guilty. But let me ask you this. This man works as an electrician apparently earning a salary, if he recognizes his group needs Bibles and can't buy Bibles, why doesn't he buy Bibles for them with his salary? Why does he have to steal my money? See, I knew it wasn't God. I know my heart. God knows my heart. I would give everything I had to the church, to the real church. 
I know I would. I have those feelings so often. You probably have the same feelings of wanting to help them. But these people are thieves. They're thieves in the name of God. They won't lift a finger to help their people when they could. They won't lift a finger. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 23. These are the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ministers as we call them today. Verse 4, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They won't help with themselves. They won't do anything themselves, like earn some money and give to their own people. But all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the border of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the market and to be called of men rabbi, rabbi, but be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for neither go ye in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. You are a child of the devil, and you make that proselyte twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Now this is what we are seeing in ministries. This is what we are seeing by those ministers who go all over the world and beg us for money. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Well, if they're the seed of God, why isn't God providing for them? Why do they have to have you provide for them? Because they do not have the Holy Spirit in them, and they can't follow God and don't follow God. The works are the works of their own flesh, and they have to have flesh pay for them because they do not have faith in God because they are not of God. But they are extortioners twisting the word of God and making us feel guilty and trying to get us to give them the money 
God has given us the blessings that God has given to us. If you are of God, God is blessing you. He's blessing you with his word. He's blessing you in material ways. I know what it is to give to the church. Before I became a minister, I owned a business. And I was so grateful to God for my salvation. It was very easy for me to give rather large sums of money to the church I attended. I didn't have to be begged by the preacher. He didn't have to give me the situation of misquoting a hundredfold return to make me think I would get a hundredfold return by the offerings I gave. That is a distortion on the use of the parable of the hundredfold return. That hundredfold return was promised for those who follow the word of God, who give up the things of this life to do the word of God. They take that word and they present it to you and try to get you to give money to them. But those of us who belong to God are so grateful we're going to give anyway. You know that. But they are extortioners. I get letters all the time from people who say they are ministers who really want merchandise from me. They want me to give to them. That's their goal. At first, they come on with flattery concerning the work I do. They come on saying how wonderful the books are or how wonderful the blog is and how God led them to me. About the third time they write to me, the truth comes out. They want me to send them a computer or they want a projector or they want a computer and a projector or they want a computer and a camera or they want free books sent for their whole congregation. Well, the only way I could send books to them is go out to Amazon and buy the books and then ship them overseas and go through customs and all the troubles that you have to do that way. But I know one thing, God's yoke is easy. Therefore, they are trying to yoke me to them, and it's not God's yoke. So don't do that. There is a great deal of deception and extortion going on today to try to steal from you through the churches through good works. And there are so many good works the devil authors that are not of God. So you have to be very, very careful about what you do. I'm 83 years old at the time I'm recording this. There were times that we had thousands of people following this ministry, giving money to this ministry. And even now, there are really quite a lot of people that read the blog and read books. We've had over one million read our blog, according to the blog provider. That's their statistic. In that one million, we have never received one penny of money in the form of an offering from any of those people. One million. 
Well, that's okay because God has provided for me and I don't need their money. But in gratitude to God, if they were really of God, someone would be sending money because they so appreciate the work of this ministry. But not one person has ever done it. They will be held accountable. But I'm okay because God has arranged for me to be okay. When I started out in ministry in 1980, God told me to go on radio. And he told me by what I believe to have been an angel of the Lord speaking in my ear in the night on January the 10th, 1980. I was asleep and it was like a trumpet blew in my ear. Three words, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed and wrote the letters KWJS on a notepad. I didn't want to get those letters mixed up, and I felt certain they had to be call letters to either radio or television. I prayed immediately for God to show me what it was he was telling me. I looked KWJS up in a directory and found it was a radio station. So I said to God, are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. Immediately, the Holy Spirit brought the thought to my mind, call the radio station manager. So the next morning, I called radio station KWJS and asked to speak to the radio station manager. He came on the phone immediately. I told him God might be showing me to go on radio when I asked him, how would you do that? And he said, make an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long, and if you fit our broadcasting, we will offer you a contract. So immediately that morning, I got my tape recorder and prayed, asking God to show me what to record, and I just started talking on the tape recorder. I timed it with a kitchen timer, 29 and a half minutes long, put it into the mail that same morning to send to KWJS. Within five days, I was broadcasting exhortations on radio station KWJS. I asked God how I should pay for this. At that time, I had sold my small business, all the merchandise for my small business, and I had $22,000 from the merchandise, which I had been living on until I found out what God wanted me to do in the ministry. So I had some of that $22,000 left. I could pay for the broadcast for one month easily. I asked God how he wanted me to pay for the broadcast. And he told me, just write a letter and send it to the people that you know and tell them what happened. So that's what I did. I wrote this letter and I said, in the night this week, God spoke three words to me and awoke me with a trumpet-like voice that said, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. And as I prayed, God showed me to go on radio and exhort the church. And um, I just told him that, what happened. 
One man hand-carried to my door of my apartment enough money to pay for the broadcast for the entire month. I didn't even ask them to send money. I just told them what happened. People sent money. On radio, I'm sure I would have said, if you want to support this broadcast, send money to such and such address. But that's all I said. And people began sending money. I didn't beg them. I didn't extort them. I didn't make them feel guilty. I just simply said, if you want to give to this ministry, here is the address. Those who really are of God are so grateful. For I know that's exactly the way I was. We are so grateful for the gift God has given us in our salvation. We are happy to give to works that are of God. But there are many works that are done in the name of God that are not of God. They're done by individuals by their own ideas. And often they come with an element of extortion, trying to make us feel guilty if we do not give. It should not be that way. And when someone comes to you and makes you feel guilty because you have blessings from God and they don't, that's wrong. Don't give to them. I think the majority of churchgoers today give because they feel they have to give. Not even because they want to give, but because of extortion. Today, we only have three, no, five people who give to this ministry. How do I survive? It's such miraculous provision from God for me. In the mid-year of 2018, I began having a desire to have a smaller house, to have really only one room where I had all of my things around me. And I no longer wanted to live alone. I had lived alone for the past 20 years. And I no longer wanted to live alone. And by that time, I was approximately 80 years old. I fell and had to go to the hospital. And as they took me out past my front door, the ambulance workers, I heard from God, you'll never see this house again. I knew a change was coming. In the hospital, I put the house up for sale, knowing I would never see the house again. One of our church members said to me, I don't see how you can do this. And I said, well, I've heard from God I'll never see the house again. So if I'm not going to ever see the house again, what do I need with a house? I knew she didn't understand. But when you hear from God, you know everything's going to change when you hear something like that. I didn't know what God was going to work out for me. I was in the rehab hospital two and a half months with this injury. Uh, broken hip and uh, broken wrist. 
and the surgery they had to do. During that time, God showed me and simultaneously one of our church members. He showed both of us the same thing. It became clear that I would be moving from Texas to Colorado and I would live in her house and she would help me. For I couldn't walk and still can't walk. I can walk a little with a walker. But see, the provision was made for me. The house in Texas, which was owned by the ministry, was totally free and clear of debt. I put it up for sale. I sold it. And I I knew that that was going to be the provision for the end of my life, that money. I'm 83 right now. So these ministers from all over the world, multiple ministers, contact me with the same thing, wanting me to give them my money, which is a provision God set up to help me during the last days of my life. I'm sure of that. And they want me to send it to them. See, I know this is devils trying to destroy me. We cannot afford to go along with them. We feel so guilty. We would like to every child in the world to have a Bible. But God did not set us up to do that work. There are just so many secular works, which on television, always they're trying to get you to give your money to them. And it's something you might even like want to help. But you have to really be sure the way you are going in this is authored by God. You really have to pray about this. For these are blessings God has given you because you follow him. He knows the future. He has provided for us for the future and they are trying to steal our money. (laughs) And they try to make you feel guilty and they try to burden you. They are just like the scribes and Pharisees that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 23. They put these heavy burdens on other people and they won't lift one finger to help. Not one finger. I see it all the time. There was a man in the Philippines who identified himself as a pastor. And at first he was just telling me how much he enjoyed one of my books that's with Amazon. The next letter, at the bottom of it, he he had said in his opening statement he was a pastor. At the bottom of the letter, he identified himself as Reverend so-and-so. So I sent him an email immediately and said, You should not call yourself Reverend. There is no place in the Bible where any minister called himself Reverend. 
Paul didn't call himself reverend. Peter didn't call himself reverend. They are our examples. They called themselves apostles because that was their calling. So you are either an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, or you could be a combination of those offices. And I gave him Ephesians 4 and said it's proper to call yourself that. He sent me a letter back thanking me, said he would stop calling himself reverend, and he would tell the other pastors to stop calling themselves reverend. He said they went to Bible school, and the Bible school, after they finished, said, now you can call yourself reverend. So they did. Here's what God said to me. But you didn't do that. I never even thought about such a thing. And one day in 1980, one of the radio listeners came to me at a meeting. And she said, I'm one of your fans on the radio audience. She said, what do we call you, Reverend? And I said, oh, no, don't call me Reverend. Just call me Joan, like you call Paul, Paul. Just call me Joan. And never again has the subject ever come up. But I didn't allow anyone to call me Reverend. God pointed that out to me. Now, why didn't I allow them to call me Reverend? Because I have the Holy Spirit in me, and they don't. I have the Spirit of Truth in me. And the Spirit of Truth would not go along with someone calling me Reverend or calling them Reverend. But they call themselves Reverend because they don't have the Spirit of Truth in them. And they want glory. And they want to be praised by men and put on a pedestal. So they go along with it. I turned it down instantly without even thinking about it. I was horrified over the idea. That's because the spirit of truth is in me. And it is not in them. That's what we have going on today. Jesus warned us. Matthew 24, in the last days, take heed that no man deceive you, says Jesus, starting at verse 4 of Matthew 24. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. They will come saying they are ministers of God when they are not called by God. They put themselves in the ministry and they don't even have the Spirit of God. And they will come as individuals saying they are Christians when they do not have the Spirit of God. They went forward and were baptized at church. The way you recognize the ones who have the Spirit of God, if you have the Spirit of God, you will understand each other. When I speak, you understand what I'm saying, if you have the Spirit of God. When you speak, I understand what you're saying, if you have the Spirit of God. This man who identified himself as a minister and called himself reverend really couldn't understand what I was saying. He wrote to me and he said, only one person is pastor, and that is God. Therefore, I should not call myself pastor. He didn't understand what I was saying. I had to correct him again. 
I wrote to him again, and I said, no, that's wrong. Because Jesus called his ministers, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Therefore, since Jesus called you that, if he called you a pastor, you should call yourself pastor. The next email I got from him, this man identified himself as an evangelist. And I wrote to him and I said, well, what are you, pastor or evangelist? And in one email, I know I had written to him after he identified himself as pastor. And I said, tell me what kind of works you do. Uh, I know very well what an apostle prophet does, and I can tell you what God showed me those two offices do, but I'd like to know what your view of a pastor is. He never answered me. He, he just didn't even know what I was asking. He couldn't understand what I was saying. It wasn't a language barrier. It was he did not have in him the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. This is what I find all the time. I had exactly the same thing from another man from the Philippines who called himself a pastor. His real motive was to get me to send him a computer and a camera, which I did not do. Later, an earthquake destroyed the house he was living in, which was on church property. At one point, he had gone along with what I said on the subject of reverend, and he had told his church, you shouldn't call yourself reverend. And they got so mad at him, they demanded that he vacate the church property in one week. He was married with a one child, and he had no place to live, and no salary, and no income. I told him, go get a secular job like Paul did, and support your wife and family, and preach on the spare time. Paul did that. I never heard from him for about three years after that. I knew he had denied the truth of the subject about reverend in order to keep that housing at the church property. Approximately three years later, I got an email from him asking me to send him money because an earthquake had destroyed their housing, all the houses. I never answered the email. He made a choice. What would have happened to this man if he had really gone out and gotten a secular job and supported his wife and child? He might not have even been in the place where the earthquake was. But he, again, followed flesh. He was not of God, though he called himself a pastor. I could tell by his works he was not of God. It happens to me over and over and over. I just got another email from a man in um, Kenya who called himself a pastor. At first, he didn't tell me what he wanted. He flat tried to flatter me by telling me how much my writings meant to him. And he asked a bunch of questions. And then about his third email, the truth came out. He wanted me to send Bibles to all of his people he was working with. 
I did not do that. See, they want to take the provision God has given you to use for themselves. They're not of God. If they were of God, they would follow him. And if they needed a computer, God would see that they got the computer. But they believe in the flesh of man to give them things rather than believing in God. When the king of Sodom met Abraham on the road after they had won a great victory, the king of Sodom said, take the spoils from the war and give me such and such. And Abraham said, I have vowed unto God, I will not take from you even a shoe latchet, yet lest you had said, I made Abram rich. Abraham wanted his blessing to come from God, and I do too. I feel the same way about it. These men that try to get our money can only see us as their source, not God. And they would steal from us. We can't let it happen. I know you feel guilty. I have turned to God many times, feeling guilty, and have discussed it with God, and he has never had me send them anything. So it's a warning. It's going to be rampant in the last days, all through good works that are fleshly works that seem they're of God but are not giving Bibles to all of their people who come to their meetings, doing these works where they go all around the world and preach the gospel. But Jesus told us in Matthew 23, they compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when they get him, they make him twofold more the child of hell than themselves. And Jesus told us, be not deceived by them. For many will come in the last days in my name, saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.